This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All right, so this week we're starting off a new series called Horrible Advice. All right, y'all never thought you'd come to church and get some horrible advice. Maybe you have come to church before and got some horrible advice, but that's really what this series is all about because if we were able to turn your life into a reality TV show, all right, and, and sit back and watch you live, the truth is, is that every one of you, every single one of you, we would sit back and go, God, I keep making the same mistakes over and over again. If you watched my life, you would see me making the same mistakes. Oh, and it's almost like somebody at some point gave us some really bad advice, and we just keep taking it. That's what it looks like. And so in this series, we're going to have a lot of fun. All right, we're going to tackle some things that I think um, many of you, and so we're actually, as we present the message, it's going to be as if we're telling you the bad advice. All right, so this, this week we're, we're tackling the topic of how to drift away from God. How many of you, let me just ask you a, a question today. How many of y'all would say that there was a point in your life outside of this moment today that you were closer to God than you are today? Raise your hand if that's you. There was a time in life I was closer to God than I am right now. I was reminded of a story of my mom and dad. My, my mom and dad told me this story when they were first started dating. My dad had a bench seat, right, in the front of his Camaro. My dad had a Camaro, right? And so when they would go out on dates, mom would sit in the middle of the bench seat, right? She would scoot over. There was no such thing as seatbelts. My dad said the only thing they thought about seatbelts was that's what you did. You cut out seatbelts when you got a new car. You just cut them out of the car. That's what you did. So she would sit as close to my dad as she could. You know, you can imagine them, you know, snuggled up to one another, driving down, going to the drive-in movie, whatever it was. And one time I remember we were little kids, we were sitting in the car, they're, they're in the front, they were talking. And my mom looked at my dad and they were talking about that moment. And she said, what happened to us? We used to be so close. Every time we went for a drive, I would sit next to you. And we would cuddle and snuggle and my, lean my head up against you, my dad and I wise moment looked over at her and said well baby I'm not the one that moved <laughs> so I think today if you're that person you're that person that's here and you're you're saying I, I, I was closer to God at one point in my life can I just tell you something God's not the one that moved he's not the one that moved and so you see advice that we get has a, a really powerful way to impact our lives. As a matter of fact, Jesus told a, a parable about advice. And it, it talks about it in the form, uh, he's speaking to a, a very agriculture-based society. People understand the, the kind of uh, plant and harvest. And so he tells this parable to share how advice spreads ideas. And he tells it in the form of a sower. It happens in Matthew 13. And he, I'm going to go through the, the four different kinds of seeds that he talks about as he talks about seeds being planted. And in the first one, he talks about seed that fell along the path. 
And when seed fell along the path, the, the, obviously it wasn't a good place for seed to be planted, and the birds came along and ate it. Look at what happened in Matthew 13, verses 9. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes along and snatches it away, what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. They do not understand it. So this is where some of you have been in church before, and it's been a great message, and your friends have all been there's life changer. You're sitting there going, I don't really understand it. It just doesn't make sense to me. This is where that advice is given, that kingdom advice is given, but the enemy comes and snatches it away. This is where some of you are in here today going, I don't like this message. He's not being funny yet, right? I don't even, what the, he's wearing a hoodie today? It's not that cold, Kev. Come on, get with it. All right, so some of y'all are just so interacting with the ideas on that surface level. This is seed that falls along the path, not really looking for the advice, not really trying to receive it. The second kind of seed that he described is seed that falls into a rocky place, all right, where there's not much soil. Look at how he describes it in verses 20 through 21. Then the seed falling on a rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they will only last a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word that they receive, they will quickly fall away. These are some of y'all that today you'll hear this message and you'll go, oh yeah, I did scoot away. Scoot, scoot. I'm going to scoot over here. But then before long, you're back over here, right? You hear the message. You receive it with joy. The, 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 you, you get it. But then before long, it never takes root. And we have to have roots in the truth or there will never be fruit, right? So no, the third time of, of, of soil that he describes here is that the soil that's among thorns, in verse 22, he says, then the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the word, look at this, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out, making it unfruitful. This is saying that, hey, there are some of us that we're going to hear the word of God. We're going to get advice and we're going to go, that is so good. I've got to do that. But then all of a sudden, the worries of our life begin to choke out the fruitfulness of the advice of God's word. This is where some of you, you're not bad people, you're just busy people. Not bad, you're just busy. Some of y'all are like, hey, you just... You just don't understand my life. I mean, I'm so busy. I'm a, I'm, I'm a student and I'm working full time and it's really hard. I can't keep up. Some of y'all are like, you know what? We just got married. All right. It's really nice. And we kissed a little bit too much one day and now we got a baby on our way. All right. You don't know my life, man. You don't know my life. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. The cares of this life. Some of y'all are at the stage where your kids have grown a little bit, but you're like, hey, listen, I mean, we got a big house. We got so much work to do around the house. Some of y'all are a little bit beyond that stage where you're like, hey, listen, we've got parents. I've got to take care of my parents. Do you realize busy never stops? And some of us are just like that. We receive the word with joy, but the worries of this life choke out the fruitfulness. But the last type of soil he describes is good soil. 
good soil. Look at this. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop. Look at this. And this would have been amazing to his listeners, yielding a hundred or 60 or 30 times what has been sown. You see, Jesus is implying as he teaches this, that we are, our lives are like one of these types of soil. And so many of you have received, you've been good soil. You've received the advice of the Lord. You've received the word of God. It's got planted in you. It's grown roots. It started to be fruitful. But there are many of us that raised our hand just a little bit ago that said, hey, there was a time that I was closer to God. Look at what Hebrews 2 says. Hebrews 2 verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, so that we do not drift away from God. I can remember going to the beach with my mom when I was a little kid. We lived in Charleston, and so it was really normal for me to get to go to the beach. And my mom would set up our camp on the beach, and she would say, all right, Kevin, all right, watch me, watch me. You can go play in the water, but watch me, because what happens if you don't watch the shore? You get busy playing, and you just... All of a sudden, I have no idea where I am. So we would be out there, and my mom would set up something that was bright and colorful, and we could see it, me and my sister would be like, oh, watch the towels, watch for the beach, watch, watch, watch. And then all of a sudden, we would get so busy playing with each other, we would look up and go, where is she? I've lost mom. And when you're seven, that's a big deal, all right? I mean, that's a flip-out cry, throw yourself on the beach and have a moment, right? That's one of those kind of deals, right? But see, I want you to understand that that's exactly where some of us are today. And you might be there today. I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit. You might be there because you're absolutely tired of the presence of God. So many of you are, are, are probably tired of the peace that comes when you live in the will of God. You're tired of living in, in this promise that he's got. You, you, some of you are, are just tired of God using you. You're just worn out. God's using me too much. I'm making too big of a difference. Some of y'all are just tired of God speaking to you. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you some horrible advice on how you can drift away from God. As we go through this, some of y'all are going to go, Oh, y'all ready to get started? Y'all ready? All right, horrible advice on how to drift away from God. Number one, number one, neglect your time with God because ain't nobody got time for that, right? Neglect your time with God. If you want to drift away, the first thing that you need to do is to start neglecting your time with God. As a matter of fact, look at what Psalm 63, this is the way you should do it. Obviously, this is good advice, but we don't want that today. God, you are my God, so earnestly I will seek you. I will thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. This is David in Psalm 63, verse 1. In a dry, like I, were, I will long for you like I was in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You see, if you want to stay close to God, do that. But if you want to drift away from God, Neglect your time with God. As a matter of fact, don't read your Bible. Don't read it. 
Don't read, don't even, don't have a view of the Bible that thinks about the Bible as it's living and it's God's word and it can make a difference in your life. Don't think about the Bible as it is the answer to every problem that you will face in life. As a matter of fact, don't read it. Ignore it. If you want to feel a little bit better, get a Bible app on your phone. They just keep there. Never open it, all right? Just get it on your phone, right? Don't open it. Don't read it. Never subscribe to a reading plan, all right? Don't, don't have a high opinion of God's word. Just don't read the Bible. Don't pray. Don't pray. Don't, don't have a perspective of God that says that he's here. He's here so he can listen to you. He cares about you. He wants to be not just a father but a friend. Don't pray. Don't worship. Don't worship. As a matter of fact, when you come to church, don't sing at all. Just stand there and stare at everybody else who does sing. All right? Just refuse to lift up your, your hands. Put them in your pockets. All right? Or just casually sip some coffee. Don't worship. Do not allow yourself to emotionally connect to the God of the universe. As a matter of fact, don't even come to church at all. All right? Do like the average American Christian come to church one time a month. And when you come to church, if you come to church, don't get involved. Don't get involved. Put, put up a wall between serving and you. Say, I will never, all those talents that you have, all those gifts that you have, never use them. And never give. Never give. Number one, neglect your time with God. Number two, this is awesome. This is good. This is good, horrible advice. Hang around the wrong people. Hang around the wrong people. Now, y'all have heard me talk a lot in the past about friends, all right? So I'm going to remind you of something that I said. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. All right? So if you're not going to live the right life, you need the wrong friends, all right? Hang around with the wrong people. Look at first, first Corinthians helps us understand this principle really well. First Corinthians 15. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You want bad company. You want it to corrupt your character. If you want to drift away from God, you've got to hang around the wrong people. As a matter of fact, don't hang around any strong Christians. Because that will totally usurp this whole plan. Don't hang around anybody who loves you enough to have a hard conversation. Don't hang around anybody that will bring any sort of correction into your life. As a matter of fact, hang around people that you think you're better than. Find people that make you feel better about yourself and then hang around them. And if you're here today and you're not married and you want to drift away from God, let me give you some advice here. Start dating a non-believer. Date somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus at all. I, it, as a matter of fact, let's make it even better. All right? Find, start dating a cultural Christian. Somebody who, who they, they claim that they're a Christian, but they don't really go to church that much. They don't live a godly lifestyle. They don't believe in the values as far as anchoring their way of living in them. Hang around with the wrong people. Number three. Number three. This is good. This is good right here. Give in to temptation. Just give in to it. 
Look at what the Bible says in James 1. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after a desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full full grown, gives birth to death. See, the Bible urges you in, in that to resist temptation. But if you're going to drift away from God, give in to it. As a matter of fact, here's what you can do. It, why don't you just keep, keep sinning. You, you know what the sin is. Keep sinning and just create this plan. Every time you sin, know that you can ask God for forgiveness for it. Just know he's going to be there. And, and if that doesn't work, hide the sin. Hide the sin that you're struggling with. Hide it from the people who love you, the people who care about you. Hide that sin. Give in to temptation. Here's number four. Buy into the illusion of safety. Buy into the illusion of safety. Look at this moment where Jesus describes what living for him is like. Matthew 11, verse 12. From the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking him. I just want you to understand, that does not sound safe. And if we're going to drift away from God, we have got to wholeheartedly buy into the illusion of safety. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do if you're going to do this. Find safety in the things that you can control. Never fly again, only drive, but drive 80 and text at the same time, all right? Because you're in control, it's much safer, right? All right? I mean, you're in, as long as you're in control, it's safe. Just buy into that 100%. And here's the thing, never, never make a decision, never move forward into anything that contains any risk at all. Only do what's safe. And the last thing, number five, love this world more than you love God. Love this world more than you love God. First John 2, verses 15. says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. If you want to drift away from God, the first thing, most important thing, the easiest way to get away from him is to start believing that this world is your own. Start believing that this world, where we are right now, this is it. And if it is it, then sell out to materialism. Sell out to stuff. I mean, go in debt for it. Because one day you're going to die. Might as well enjoy it now. I mean, sell out that you have to have the best and the newest. Here's one. If we're going to love this world more than we love God, if we're going to live like this is our home and heaven is not, then put your ultimate eternal hope in a government or a politician. I mean, put your hope there. If you want to drift far away from God, put your hope in a system that has zero capacity to deliver what it promises. If you want to drift away from God and love this world, obsess 
over sports or fitness or a hobby. And in that, find people on Instagram to follow who do that. Especially if you're trying to get in shape, find people that are already in shape to follow. And it'll make you hate your life, all right? I mean, just find those people out there. They're out there, I promise. Love this world more than you love God. And if all else fails, fake it. If all else fails, fake it. Isaiah 29 verse 13 says, These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, you don't have to appear to be immoral if you're slipping away from God. You can fake it. Let me give you some hints on how to do that. Learn Christianese. We have our own language. And if you can speak it, when you come to church, nobody will know what's going on in your heart. Just come in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sanctify me, Lord. Sanctify me. Hallelujah. Nobody will know. Speak Christianese. If you do that, you can fight on the way to church with your spouse. You can dog them out, come back in, right when you're walking in. Hallelujah. Everybody's going to think everything's great. If all else fails, fake it. I don't know if for you today. Anybody in here that as we went through that hurt a little bit? Because it hurt me. And so we went through that list. And we see that. I believe that some of us saw that and we went, man, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm the person that's living that way. You know what's scarier than being here and actually seeing that and it hurting? And it's the person that's here today. And they see that horrible advice that some of us, our lives look like we've ex- accepted and received that. And really in your heart right now, you're saying, I don't care. In the very beginning of the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to several churches specifically. He says this to the church in Sardis. I know your deeds. Look at this. You have a reputation for being alive. In other words, you look like it. People think you're alive, but inside you're dead. Inside you're dead. You have this reputation for having been perfect and wonderful and everybody loves you and it really seems like there's so much good going on in your life, but I can see through that and I know what's going on inside. And you're dead. You see, today, if we're going to break out of that cycle of drifting, we have to return to our first love. We must return to our first love. I I love that there are moments that we can remember. Early on in our relationship with God. That we can remember the kind of passion that would have led us to say, God, whatever you want, everything and nothing less for you. I love that there are moments that God calls us to go back to that. Look at what he said to another church, the church in Ephesus, which was a great church. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider now how far you've fallen and repent 
and return to the things you did at first. Notice that he doesn't say return to how you felt. Don't, he doesn't say return to the, the emotions that you can No, return to the things you did. Because the things we do begin to shape the way that our heart trajectories through life. And when we allow ourselves to get our eyes off of Jesus, we naturally start to drift away from Him. See, I want you to know today that Jesus hasn't moved. Let's look at that verse in Corinthians or in Hebrews 2 again. Look at this. We must pay careful attention. Pay more attention careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away see so many of us have gotten busy with life like me when i was playing in the beach just playing in the ocean you get your eyes off of who you're supposed to be looking on you lose your bearings and then before long your distraction becomes a disaster And you wake up in a moment like this and you realize that God is out of reach and you need to have a moment like I had a moment on the edge of the beach that day. See, think about the drifts that happen where we, number one, we start to neglect our time with God. We start to Lower our value of scripture and prayer and worship and being integrated and attending church. And we start to lower our values that plug us into the presence of God. And then we start to hang around with the wrong people. Where we're hanging around people who don't value the same things we do. Don't challenge us. They don't cause us to go, hey, I can get better. They don't, they don't come in and say, I saw you treating your wife that way. You don't need to do that. We don't have those. We don't want those conversations. We don't want those. We want people around us that make us feel better about ourselves. And we give in to temptation over and over and over again. We buy into the illusion of safety where we think that we can live this life that Jesus called us to without any risk under the assumption that we are safe if we are in control. And lastly, we love this world more than we love God. And I believe that there are many of us that if we're honest, we have worked so hard instead of to serve Jesus. We've worked so hard to build a life that we love that if the truth were told, you honestly don't want to go to heaven because you don't want the life that you have right now to end. But see, Jesus told us in that parable that we could be good soil. And he describes in that parable a miracle, a miracle where he says, if you will receive my word, 
It will be planted and it will return a crop that is 30, 60, 100 times what was planted. You see, in his day, they would have understood 30 is awesome. That's a great crop. 60, 60 times more, that's a miracle. 100, only God could do that. You see, some of you right now, this is the moment where God wants to drop into some good soil in your heart, a desire again to return to the things that first produced that love that you had with him, to walk away from this drift, to refocus your eyes on him. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.